Merry Christmas to you. So glad to see you for week three of Travel Light. And maybe this is your first week here. We welcome you. We're glad you're here. It's good to see you. We've been looking at a really important concept in this series. What we're trying to do is remind ourselves that uh, this is not our home. We're just traveling through. And sometimes as we're traveling, we're carrying too much baggage. And God never intended that baggage to be so heavy or to drag us down, and we've been kind of addressing some of those baggage issues that sometimes we are carrying and pulls us into a self-centered life. We've looked at letting go of stuff. Uh, That was our first week. We looked at letting go of distractions, and that was last week. And I'll tell you about this week in a moment. What we're looking forward to next week is letting go of control, and then the last week of the month and last week of the year, letting go of your past. Today, we're looking at a tough one, letting go of bitterness, letting go of bitterness. Now, Why this is a timely message and really important around this season is that not everybody enjoys this season. Some people can't wait for Christmas and others can't wait to get past Christmas. And there's a lot of pain involved with that in a lot of people's lives, and maybe that's you. But also it's timely in that a lot of times there are get-togethers with family, and in get-togethers with family, there's a lot of memories and a lot of seeds of bitterness, roots of bitterness that uh, have happened because of seeds of offense. And so it's a timely message as we are heading into a season where the root could just spring out with all kinds of poisonous stuff as we get together, kind of ruin a party, but it's bigger than that, much, much bigger than that. And so we need to get into some very um, hard subjects today, and yet so very important to each and every one of us. Here's something we know. We know that God wants to give us life to the full. And in that life to the full, he wants us to be able to love him fully and love other people fully with a love that isn't even just our own, but a love that comes from him to us and through us to bless those around us. And yet there is an enemy also. Just as God has come to give us life to the full, Jesus says there's an enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy us, and he is adamantly opposed to God getting this glory and love and the glory he receives when that love from him comes through us and blesses others. And so there's an enemy that's very, very active doing whatever he can to plant seeds of offense into our lives. And these seeds of offense, they take root, and they go underground. And we don't even know they're there. We're not conscious the root of bitterness is there. And the poison is going to come out and just erupt and wreck what God wants 
in our lives. And so it's so important that we get a hold of this and let go of this baggage that destroys so much. And so let's jump right into the topic. Point number one is why? Why do we need to let go uh, of bitterness? Why do we need to let go of bitterness? And so the best place to jump into this topic is where the very concepts are, are just embedded into the text in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. This is what we read. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, maybe you've heard this and read this and thought this through and heard sermons about it and you've kind of are familiar with some of the concepts. Well, we're going to dig in deeper and I've heard this and taught this and studied this and learned this and recognize, you know what? I've got baggage still. And we need to address the baggage as we're aware of the baggage. And when we're not aware of the baggage, we need to address it because it's there and we're not aware. That's the thing about roots. They're underground. We don't see them. And the enemy's so masterful at planting seeds of offense. And they've taken root And have we dealt with them the way that we should? A on your outline. You can't control what people do, but you can control how you respond. So people will offend you. And I just want to remind you at this point that we as believers need to remind ourselves over and over and over again because people are just irritating. But we need to remind ourselves over and over and over again that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against people. We have an enemy who is planting these irritating seeds of offense into our lives all the time. And a lot of times, the people that are just irritating, they have no idea they just irritated us. They have no idea how offended we are by them. And this thing has still gone underground. And... We are unaware how big this thing is growing, and they are unaware how big this thing is growing, and the enemy is just rejoicing and rejoicing that, ooh, 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 something's, from his perspective, something good is about to happen. And from our perspective, we're unaware that something bad and destructive, totally destructive, is about to happen. So much of life is out of our control. Now, I even sort of struggle with this idea. You can't control what people do, but you can control how you respond. I mean, I think that on your own, you can't. I honestly believe that all by yourself, you're not going to be able to do the things that I'm going to describe today. That you absolutely need Jesus Christ to help you in this thing that I'm describing today. But it's so huge, so big, so against the grain of humanity, against the grain of natural thinking, against the grain of our cultural way of looking at life. 
but I'm going to ask you to do what Jesus asked you to do. It's like the opposite of the way we think, and yet we've got to get a hold of this. So let's take a look. Hebrews 12, 14, we already looked at it. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. So why are we needing to do this? Because we are responsible for our response. Now, so we are response-able, but we better ask for help to be able to do this. And then as we look at the next verse, Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. So apparently, if you aren't taking this responsibility before God for the help of God, for the grace of God, you fall short of the grace of God because you're not relying on the grace, and without grace, you can never do this. Okay? And so see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Why is this so important? Be on your outline. Bitterness has a dangerous root. Bitterness has a dangerous root. And underground, it is growing and growing and growing. And we are like the last person to see it because it's underground for us. Now, even when it erupts above ground in the surface of things, we tend to be the ones that can't see it in ourselves, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. Now, who is this bitter root causing trouble to? Now, you've heard it said, you know, this bitterness, let it go, because you're the one that's being, that's being hurt by your bitterness. It's hurting you. But interestingly, that's not where this text goes, although that is true. This text says, Something much bigger than that. See on your outline, why is this so important? Because bitterness produces a poisonous fruit. Now, I want some extra points here because point B and point C rhyme, all right? Bitterness <laughs> has a really dangerous root, a poisonous root, and it's poisonous fruit. And this is why we've got to deal with this root that's going to cause havoc in our lives. Hebrews 12, 15 again, see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. It's not just for your sake, but it is for your sake. But this thing, if you don't take care of it, it has a tendency to destroy everybody around you. One bitter person will destroy the whole family gathering. One bitter person can destroy all of the relationships in the family. One bitter person can destroy the whole small group and to where the small group doesn't want to get together at all. One bitter person can make the work environment totally unbearable to where you hate going to work every day and it's just because of one bitter person. One bitter person can wreak havoc on an entire church and some churches go down because of the effort of one bitter person. Why? Because the enemy has planted seeds in the one bitter person and the seeds have been cast and now everybody has seeds of bitterness growing in them. Everybody has a root of bitterness and fruit is popping out everywhere and churches just collapse because it's not beautiful and nobody wants to come and visit an ugly bride. The church is the bride of Christ, attractive to the world when we've been washed clean and made holy by a Savior, and we deal with the junk inside of ourselves and are able to love instead of spew poison 
And this is the hardest thing for us to see in ourselves. You know why that is? Because we see the person who offended us and gave us the seeds of offense as the offender. And we do not see ourselves as the offender. We justify our position because they were wrong, not me. And so the root grows and grows and the poison spews. And you've heard me say this before. I am the most dangerous when I know I'm right. And I say it a little tongue-in-cheek because in the dangerous spewing of poison, I'm wrong and I don't see it. I'm spreading the problem and I'm right. I, I could be right about some doctrine or theology or methodology or something that I'm fighting about and yet completely wrong because I'm not addressing the bitterness that's causing the poisonous fruit to come out. Instead of being a channel of God's love, I've become a channel of the enemy's seeds of offense that have sprung into root and bear poisonous fruit. See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Point two, how? How do we let this thing go? How do we see to it that this doesn't happen? How do we make this work? And so we're going to jump to a different passage, Paul writing in Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, we read this. Get rid of all bitterness. Oh, just pause for a second. What kind of bitterness? All bitterness. It's like, well, that seed's no big deal. That's just a little thing. And I'm justified in that because they're wrong and I'm right and I have, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not liking them. I'm okay with just not, I'm okay with being mean to them because they were wrong. No, 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 no. Get rid of all bitterness. There is no out-of-bounds bitterness. Or maybe it's all out-of-bounds. There is no in-bounds bitterness <laughs> And so there's some other words here that these things are related to this. Rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Oh, wow. There it is. Now, let me just throw in one word which we're talking about here. Because the answer to getting rid of all bitterness, how do you do it? Is you be kind and compassionate. But here's the kicker. To one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So let's add one word here. You're being kind and compassionate when they do not deserve it. If you don't understand that that's what we're talking about, they do not deserve it, then if you don't remember that's what we're talking about, you will think, I'll be kind and compassionate because they deserve it. They ask for forgiveness. I'll be kind and compassionate because, you know, I like them. I'll be kind and compassionate because we're not going to continue on very well in our marriage if I don't. It's about everyone deserving or undeserving because we're talking about something Supernatural here. 
Now, let me just talk about this for a moment. <laughs> the kingdom of God is so upside down. It's so hard because everything the way that Jesus proclaims it is so upside down and backwards from the way we think. If you want to be great, don't climb. Step down and be the servant of all. If somebody whacks you on the cheek, don't whack them back. Turn the other one. If your enemy is treating you horribly, don't just be horrible back. Love that enemy. Jesus is continuously giving us this model that is upside down and just our whole being wants to revolt in the middle of each of those scenarios. No, that doesn't make any sense. Uh-uh, I can't. You don't, you know, we, we respond with this reaction like, that can't be. So on this screen, beloved follower of Jesus, you need to understand something about kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. You are not generating something you are passing along something you've already received. The reason why this seems so impossible is you're still trying to do it on your own. And if you cannot forgive, you're forgetting something. You're forgetting you have been forgiven. You have been forgiven of all of it. And then we have this kind of internal dialogue that wants to go like this on the screen. But you don't know how much they hurt me. No, I don't. But God does. And he knows how much you hurt him. And he forgave you. And then the internal reaction is, but their sins are far worse than my sins. And that's the emotional, guttural, internal reaction because why? You're fixated on the other person's offense and you're justifying that you are right to feel what you're feeling. And as you're justifying that you are right to feel what you're feeling, the seeds of offense, I am right to feel what I'm feeling because they are wrong, therefore I cannot do this thing, you have bought into a lie. And here's the lie. Don't buy this lie. My sin is forgivable, but their sin is unforgivable. Do not buy into this lie. It's the lie of the devil. And as soon as you buy into it, you will not see the sin in the mirror. Even when you're spewing poison, you will not see it. Everybody else sees it. But you will not, because it's all coming from the underground space where they're wrong, I'm fixated on that, and I can't see that I'm right because I'm totally, 100% justified in feeling this way. One good way of understanding sin is by the definition Missing the mark. Hamartia is the word for sin. It, in one good definition of hamartia, sin, it, it means missing the mark. So we tend to go, they missed the mark. They sinned by a mile compared to what they did. My, my response, maybe it wasn't perfect, but I only missed by a millimeter. And that's what we do. And so we got to look at the um, Earth's equation one mile miss is greater than a one millimeter miss, and we fixate on that. But that's on Earth. Yes, 
the miss, how big that miss is, affects things in bigger ways on earth. It really does. We feel it when somebody really does a big one, a whopper, less than when somebody does a little millimeter one, a minor. But from heaven's perspective, one millimeter times infinity is equal to one mile times infinity. That's math. Now, you can just picture this. If you've got a bullseye target, let's just put it up so we can picture it aiming towards heaven. A bullseye target and you miss the mark, the bullseye, by a millimeter, extend that out by a infinity and that angle of miss, infinity later, is infinity wide. Do you get it? So if you miss it by a mile of infinity later, a mile is infinity wide. The unacceptable sin by God's infinity is as bad and as unacceptable whether it's on earth, a millimeter, or a mile. Now, just in case math is not your thing, <laughs> let me put it a different way. Just in case infinity blows your mind, and it, it does mind, let's just bring it down to our level and earth a little bit. Um, so here's a... It might be in poor taste, but here's a uh, illustration that's more... Nitty-gritty. Every sin is offensive to God. It's an offense against his holiness, so it's got this infinity against holiness kind of sin. And so, it's like we're pooping on God's holy pillow. And then we're arguing about, well, yeah, but he laid a big one on God's holy pillow. I just pooped a little one on God's holy pillow, and my poop is nowhere near as bad as his poop, and I just wanna say, are we, are we really arguing about our position based on the increment of our excrement? <laughs> really, our increment of our excrement makes the whole big difference. Remember I said this is really in poor taste? <laughs> Did I just say taste? <laughs> this is horrible from God's perspective. It doesn't really matter whether it's, it's unacceptable. That's my pillow. Now think of God's holy space. And this also is God's holy space. Yes, it's in poor taste to sin. And to compare your sin, your increment, against their increment of excrement is in very poor taste from God's perspective. But you don't know how awful it was when he pooped on me. Okay, let's just put this straight here. The worst case scenario is that you got a little whiff of poop. It was nothing like Jesus Christ who took in himself all of your poop, died for it, and experienced hell because of your poop. Hell! You've never experienced death and hell for another sin. You just got a whiff of something uncomfortable by comparison. And you received all that forgiveness for what you did, and you're going to withhold the forgiveness from them? Look again at what you have received and pass along the forgiveness you have received. Mile sinners and millimeter sinners all need the blood of Jesus to make us acceptable to God. Period. 
stop comparing. Paul even says in 2 Corinthians, I think it's 10, where we're foolish to be comparing ourselves with ourselves, measuring ourselves against ourselves, by ourselves, comparing ourselves. Foolishness. God's holiness is the comparison. And the cross took care of the equation so that our sin could be eliminated and forgiveness and acceptance and unconditional love and unconditional compassion, unconditional acceptance is ours. And so we can pass along the unconditional love, unconditional acceptance, and unconditional compassion because we are forgiven. When we have been freely forgiven, how dare we withhold it from someone else? For the rest of the bulk of our session, I want us to hear from a preacher. His name is Chris Beale, and he has a powerful story of his own to kind of get at some very practical aspects of what are we going to do about this, but then he tells his story, and we recognize, wow, Chris Beale. I want to give you a tip that might help this holiday season on taking baby steps toward offering grace to other people. Because you might be thinking, man, he's Jesus, and I am clearly not. I don't know how to forgive. How many of you have ever played the, the game, the card game Spades? Anybody ever played that game? Um, there is a card in that game that trumps every card. What is it? The Ace of Spades. When you carry a root of bitterness against someone, you live with this 24-7. You hold this card against them 24-7. And you know you find yourself having imaginary fights with that person that are completely fictional, but they feel really good. What are you doing in that moment? You're playing the ace of spades. In your heart, you're holding it against them. You may sit across a Christmas meal with that person and everything in you wants to remind them of what they did to you. How do we take baby steps to forgiveness? And here's how. In this moment, I want to play the card, but I choose not to. I don't know what I'm gonna do tomorrow or how I'm gonna feel tomorrow, but right now, in this moment, I choose to release them. They owe me nothing. And in the next moment, I choose to not play the card. I will not hold this against them. I release them. And the next moment, and the next moment, and the next day, and the next week, and you will wake up one day with the frequency of those little moments of I choose not to hold that against them. And here's what's gonna happen. What happened will no longer be an emotion. It will only be a fact. It will only be a part of history but it will not be something that impacts your emotions. But it's one moment at a time of not playing this card against them. I was joking with you about how I really don't have a root of bitterness against anyone but television characters. Um, the reality behind that, though, is that for the better part of my life, I was... I have been the worst person I've known. I don't know anyone um, who's been worse than I have been. And I've got some pretty significant baggage. Um, grew up in a home where I longed for these I love yous and I'm proud of yous from my father that never really came. 
and it created this kind of vacuum inside of me, this, this sense of, of emptiness and inadequacy, and I don't measure up, and I don't, I'm not worth anything. And that's, many of you have a wound like that. Many of you do. And when we have a wound like that, we tend to want to medicate it in any way possible. And so as a young adult who then became a young husband, who then became a young pastor, that hole was still there. And I just tried to medicate it with things like pornography and then infidelity. And I did the unthinkable. And I, I was unfaithful to that woman. And there was a moment in time where God, by his Holy Spirit, prompted me just to confess it all. Just, just, just confess it. And then I watched a woman who did not deserve to endure what she was about to endure. I just watched despair set in over her eyes. And I broke her heart. And, um, and the church rallied around us. Craig and Amy rallied around us. This is many, many years ago. And then I saw despair become brokenness, and I saw brokenness give birth to hope, and then I saw hope give birth to compassion, and then God just started working in our marriage, but the entire time, Cindy Beale was carrying this. She had every right to remind me of what I had done to her, and in the last 16 and a half years of God healing us and us ministering out of this brokenness that became restoration, that became a miracle. Not one time has this woman ever played this against me. Not one time has she ever used what I did to throw it in my face to hurt me. Not once. And I asked her years into it, how is it even possible that you have not just in a moment of emotion, said, don't forget what you did. And she said, well, I wanted to almost every day. And, and then I was gently reminded that I may not have had a, a mile sin, but the millimeter that I committed last week or yesterday or the hour before that needed the blood of Jesus too. And how could I receive what Jesus gave me and withhold it from you. And I believe that our marriage is what it is today because forgiveness was received, but it was also freely offered. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, my heart is breaking for many of you because some of you believe in God you believe in Jesus as a forgiver, but you are not free, and you know it. You are in prison to this memory, this offense. You can relive it. You can rehearse it. Or you can just release it. Someone once said to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was me. 
I pray that God, by his Holy Spirit, set some of you free today. What you just heard is a miracle story. Um, Don't let the miracle story be an offense to you because that's not your story. Um, But it does elevate the miracle that God does when he forgives us so well that we're able to miraculously forgive something that is unforgivable. So let's not project on him anything. Let's just look inside and stop focusing on the offender and focus on the offense we need to let go. And as we let go of the offense, we don't relive it, we don't rehearse it, we release it. And you may or may not be actually needing to go before somebody. They may be dead. But you can release it before God and be set free of that baggage. If you were like me and focusing on these thoughts, you became aware, yeah, there's still something there i got to let go. Let me pray for you. Father, as I pray for each one here, I pray for me too. I'm amazed that you've forgiven all of my sins in the cross, that you have absorbed them all, taking it into yourself so that it could be taken away all penalty paid for by your son's precious, victorious sacrifice. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the pain you endured, not just the physical pain of death in a torturous way, but the spiritual pain of hell in being separated qualitatively, quantitatively, an eternal kind of separation where all that you had experienced was the love of your Father, and now you're taking upon yourself for us the penalty, the wrath of the unholiness that you absorbed. God, I thank you for that forgiveness I received. Lord, now let each of us extend and pass along that forgiveness to the one who has offended us. They need you too. They need your grace too. They need your love and eternity with you. And we don't need that sin to block us from the forgiveness that you release for us or for any other around us. Bring healing Bring love, bring light and glory, and by your resurrection light, displace the darkness inside of me. I cut off that root by choice and let it go, even though it hurts. Heal those hurts so that those hurts are just facts without pain. 
bring us to that place and every time those hurts come up, help us to cut off the root again and not erupt with poisonous darkness. We thank you for life, for light, for hope. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have a prayer team for you. If you have anything you'd like prayer for, whether it's a a load you're carrying of another kind or want to specifically just release some things here or whatever you need, uh, go to the prayer team. I hope to see you back next week as we are hitting another topic, letting go of control. God bless you. Enjoy your day.